Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. some questions already so i'm going to crack through them uh big one here how to help rippling that's a big one to start with isn't it um right we've got a bit of a spiel i had breast implants in 2016 and ever since surgery i've been experiencing experiencing number i think that's numbness in the lower pole i cannot feel anything underneath the breasts and nipples my nip- implants are also rippling my surgeon advised me to go smaller in size to avoid complications do you have any advice and can you help me correct this yeah so um in terms of the numbness uh, so surgery in 2016, so that's uh, five years ago. So numbness in the lower pole. I can't feel anything underneath the breasts and nipples. You do sometimes get persistent numbness around the scar. Um, it's not normally a big problem. There's not a lot you can do for the numbness. So can't really do anything for the numbness. That's just something that can happen, unfortunately. Um, in terms of the rippling, yes, there is something that we can't, can be done for that. But it is a difficult problem to correct. Rippling is a difficult problem um, to fix and it is basically a sort of physical thing if you hold an implant up and hold it vertically you can see the ripples in it all implants ripple the question is can you see the rippling and so you can usually see the rippling if someone's very thin and if they haven't got much covering over their chest you can see the rippling particularly if you can see your ribs so if you can see your ribs you're very unlikely you're very likely to be able to see the ripples of the implants so that is a problem what can we do do about it there's a couple of things you can do about it you really what you need to do is try and get more cover over the implant and there's always a balance between implant and breast and the more balance that is in favor of breast the better so um, if you can get um, 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 more breast tissue to implant ratio so therefore <laughs> smaller implants basically what i'm saying i don't know if i'm doing it different making it hard but smaller as downsizing the implant is a good idea basically because you got you can't you can't get more breast tissue but you can go with smaller implants so a smaller implant all right that's what i'm saying yeah smaller implants simple as that i have got much time go on about it like this just make it clear smaller implant is a good idea but i just said you can't get more breast tissue well you can sort of you can put on weight that's not very helpful i know or you can do fat grafting you can inject some fat over to get some better covering so that is something you can do for rippling Fat grafting has got risks of damaging the implant, introducing infections and stuff. So it's not without risk. But fat grafting is a is a is a good potential often for rippling. And the other one, probably the probably the best, well, up there with the best, is changing plane. If the implant's on top of the muscle, you can put it under the muscle. Now, obviously, if it's under the muscle, you haven't got that option. But if it is on top of the muscle, putting it under the muscle is an option. Now, the muscle just covers it here, so you might still get rippling here, but that's an option. Um, the other thing is you could sort of look at the type of implant you've got and how much fill that they've got. Some have got more fill than others, so ripple less but feel firmer. Um, that's a bit marginal. But um, I think putting it out of the muscle is a good one. And um, downsizing is a good one. And potentially fat grafting, you know, maybe a combination or maybe just, you know. But it's a difficult problem in the end of the day. And it is because you are so slim. So it only really happens with people who are very slim. So rippling is a difficult problem to correct. Um, Next question, please. Um, got to go in a minute. Uh, how do we move pilonidal sinuses? Um, pilonidal cyst. So pilonidal cyst 
Now we go and yeah, cyst removal. Yeah, come on, have your cyst removed. Find out some more information at cyst removal. We've got all this stuff on information about cyst removal, not pilonidal cysts. So a pilonidal cyst or a pilonidal sinus is it the in your natal cleft? Is it bottom lower part of your back at the top of your your, your natal cleft at the, the buttocks? You know, the top of the buttocks, and it's a really difficult problem to correct. It is not a normal cyst. It, it is uh, it is usually due to something like hair follicles from going down your back. It's from often men with sort of hairy backs and the hair follicles go in the back. And when you're sitting, get hot and sweaty. It's the uh, Jeep driver's bum. Elaine, good to see you. Hope you are recovering and putting your feet up. Um, it's I'm rushing because I've got to go to the cinema in a minute. Um, so it's it's um it's a, it used to be called Jeep driver's bump in the in the in the army because they used to sit and get hot and sweaty and and you get infections and and the hair follicles grow into and cause these little things called pilonidal sinuses um or, or, or it can form a cyst there um but lorry drivers and things like that it's, it's common um but it's extremely difficult problem to correct and as plastic surgeons to be honest with you we tend not to really get involved in it we only get involved with them late stage so in the early stages um um thanks elaine you too in the early stages it's usually a general surgeon who would do that and they would actually rather than removing the cyst it's actually opening it up letting it drain letting the evil humors out is the thing that we do normally um so um that and that'll be general surgeons you leave it open you pack it they're really difficult problems to correct. so a pilonidal cyst is completely different to a normal cyst and it's something that a general surgeon would treat rather than a plastic surgeon um and so uh the in answer to your question do we remove pilonidal cysts the answer is no we do not after having breast implants would i be able to breastfeed the answer to that is yes resounding yes absolutely fine assuming you can breastfeed now so some people can't breastfeed but having implants does not affect your ability to breastfeed one way or the other whether the implant goes on top of or behind the muscle the implant goes behind the breasts so all the ducts and all that sort of stuff are still intact so it will not affect your ability to breastfeed at all the only thing i would say if someone asks me that question i'm thinking hold on a minute are you thinking of getting pregnant because if you think you're getting pregnant then that might change the size and the shape of your breasts and that might mess up the surgery that you've had if you had your breasts just like you like it by having implants in and then you have children that can affect it so if someone asked me that question before they've had implants i'd be thinking yeah you'll be fine breastfeeding but if you if you're worried about that maybe you better wait until you've had implants if you are have already got implants and you're asking that question then obviously you, you know you can't that's what it is what it is so don't worry about it and just carry on and have children and see what happens but it might affect the size and the shape of your breasts something to be aware of um uh do you do any exams to the breast before you proceed no i'm talking i'm, I'm assuming you're talking about well it doesn't really matter what you're talking about but some kind of breast surgery implants reductions things i don't I know some surgeons do routinely do mammograms and stuff, but I don't do anything aside from the routine screening that you would have based on your age. But um, uh, if you, I, I don't do any extra screening of the breast um, prior to doing a breast implant or a, uh, a breast reduction. Um, is there, I don't know what the argument is for it because you know if we, because it's not going to affect your ability. You can still do the screening afterwards if you develop a lump of things. I mean, you could argue it's a baseline, but it could bring up things which. You know, there's no evidence to suggest that screening for people prior to the routine screening is going to be beneficial. So just because you're having surgery, I think you could argue it, but I don't do it. 
is the answer. No, I, I don't do any routine screening to patients having breast uh, surgery, whether it be, well, whatever it be. Uh, do I have to have any blood tests before having breast implants? So again, I don't routinely ask for any blood tests. Having said that, the hospitals do. So the hospitals often want certain blood tests. Sometimes they want a full blood count. Sometimes they want to group and save. So the hospitals might want to, uh, blood tests. I don't ask for them, but if it's hospital policy, what can I say? I work at a hospital. If that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Most of my patients are, routine, are fit and well and don't need any routine bloods. Obviously, if you're not fit and well, we might do some pre, uh, routine bloods on you if you've got medical problems. But uh, uh, the the, um, the standard patient doesn't have any significant medical problems and doesn't necessarily need to have any tests done. How long is the recovery after having breast implants? Right. Well, you have a dressing on. You have a bra on straight off the bat. You're in hospital either overnight or you some you can often go home same night. So either home that night or or home the next day. Uh, come back, see us a week later, take the dressings off. During that week, you can wash and shower, move about. It's good to move about, but you will feel a bit knocked back, a bit jaded, you won't feel great. Just take it easy, watch TV, relax, but keep your legs moving, keep your bum moving, keep everything circulating because we don't want you getting a DVT or, or anything like that. So the first week, you're not gonna feel much, you're not, not gonna feel great. Then you come and have your dressing off. Then once your dressing's off, you won't have any dressings on. You just need a bit of gauze in your bra. We'll get you um, up and moving about and things. And we, um, uh, so after the first week, you'll be feeling better. So then you'll be, <laughs> this, it, does this sound really rushed? Would I have been better not doing this? I don't know. Anyway, I thought I'd better do it because I'm, you know, consistency. Anyway, maybe I should, anyway, I'm doing it. Um, what happens after the first week? Second week, you'll be feeling better. Computer stuff, working at home on the internet and, you know, doing your emails and stuff. But you'll not be feeling great the second week. Driving, you might be able to drive after one week. I normally say two weeks to be sure. Often people are okay at one week, but it's hard to guarantee that for everybody. After a couple of weeks, then you can start getting maybe the gym lower body, you know, the stepper. It's called something cross trainer, I think, but not arms. It's a cross trainer or um, what else? Um, the stepper or... Um, the exercise bike's a good one, low impact after a couple of weeks. And then um, it's normally about six weeks before you're doing heavy stuff with your arms. So again, if you can if you can work, if you're doing an office-based job, two weeks is normal. Um, but if you're doing something heavy, if you're working in a wet warehouse or something or lifting, then six weeks before you're doing anything too heavy. And then just start doing things heavy at six weeks. You don't go straight into heavy stuff. You just start. Um, in terms of the scar, in terms of the settling, the shape, et cetera, et cetera, I normally say it starts about three months. Numbness, as I say, there's often numbness to start with. It usually settles, but sometimes it doesn't. Like that earlier on, patient earlier on had a bit of numbness in the lower pole. So sometimes there's a risk of persistent numbness, but there's often numbness at the beginning. So you're looking at that sort of stuff starting about three months. It can take six, 12, or even 18 months for it to really properly settle. So it is a bit of a long haul in terms of the shape and, and, and the swelling and all that. Um, but in terms of the immediate work and stuff, it's just a few weeks. Hope that's been helpful. I am really, got, I'm sorry, I've got to go to the cinema. So looking forward to seeing June. Love it. Read the books. Love it. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. And I will see you next week. I do, what's happening next week? Well, it's not half term, is it? Or is it? Is it? God, it might be. Natalie, what you got? Hope you're well. Do you do advice consultations? I need some advice. Natalie, you're a patient of mine, sweetheart. I know it was in the NHS, wasn't it? So, of course, you can get in touch and I will see you in the clinic. I will do, we can do a phone call, we'll do a video call, open door for all of my patients. So if you've ever got any problems, drop me an email. If I can answer it by email, I will. If you want to set up a call, we'll do a call. If you want to come to clinic and see me, we'll come to see me. Um, I won't charge you. I don't charge my patients for any 
consultations at any time, even if it was God knows how many years ago was it? Did I actually do anything or do we just talk about it? I can't even remember now, it, but it was NH, wasn't it? It was in the NHS. Did I do some breast research? I can't even remember. But anyway, yes, get in touch. Happy to see you. God, right, I've got to go, guys. I've got to go. Right, I am going to go and lie down then. I will see you all next week. Uh, I'll see you then next week. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.